Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His Kingdom. So if you're comfortable, can you reach out a hand and help me uh, just be with me in praying for Bill? Lord Jesus, God, thank you so much for this community and for our teaching team and for Bill. God, I just pray that you would speak to us and just bless him, bless his words, bless his mind. Lord, thank you for Bill. In your name I pray, amen. I just had this moment where I was saying, wait, what am I talking about? But fortunately, I have notes. So uh, if you've been at Basilea in the last two years, you know that we have been working our way through Matthew's gospel, verse by verse, for quite some time. Uh, We've decided based on some feedback we got from just getting, taking the temperature of, you know, where people are at with the teaching and some other factors as well. We decided we're going to kind of pause our Matthew series for a few months, do some other things, and then come back to it so that we get to the resurrection at Easter time. And so we're going to land at the end of Matthew on Easter. And so that means there's a couple couple months where we're going to talk about other stuff uh, just to round things out. So... uh, Today is the beginning of that, and we're starting a, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to spend seven weeks on the seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. So in John's Gospel, there's seven times where Jesus says, I am something, and here we get this picture of some of the most point-blank statements about what Jesus says about himself and his significance. Uh, If you've been with us through a lot of Matthew, if you know Matthew's Gospel well, You know that in Matthew, you would probably say, based on the way Matthew emphasizes things, the main proclamation is the kingdom, and we've talked a lot about the kingdom. In John, by contrast, just based on what John emphasizes, Jesus' main proclamation is Jesus. And so we'll get a little bit different take, still coherent, still the same basic gospel, I would have to say, but a little bit different take, a little bit different angle. And so, uh, the next seven weeks are going to be that. So, that's cool. Um, Before I get to our I am statement for today, I'll just share some thoughts. I don't know uh, if all of you agree with me on this, if this has been your experience or not, but living in L.A. and in a major city in general, I find I'm very seldom in total darkness. Even if I get up to pee at 3 o'clock in the morning or something, uh, no matter what time it is, there's always light coming in from outside. There's light coming off of the buildings that are right next to my building. There's cars driving by with headlights. There's light pollution bouncing off of the, you know, the city's lights bounce off of the dome of smog that hovers over all of us all the time and comes back. And so the sky... uh, The sky always looks like I grew up thinking evening looked. It never looks like what I grew up thinking night looked because I did not grow up in a major city. So it's never dark, dark. And in very seldom, you know, am I in total darkness. 
Is that, does that seem, you know, I guess, okay, heads are nodding, good. Um, Danae and I were in uh, Wyoming recently, and Wyoming is not like a major city, and we were staying in the basement uh, guest room of some friends while we were in Wyoming, and there, if I had to get up to pee at three in the morning or something, or whatever, it was totally dark, as in no light, no reference point whatsoever. I could move my hand like this in front of my face, and I would not see it. Total darkness. And I was amazed how hard it was to navigate through space in total darkness, especially space that I didn't know really well. So I had to like be careful not to do this too hard and hit the lamp, but I'm trying to feel my way around because I don't even have any sense of which way I'm facing. Or if I turn, I don't know how much I turned because I have no thing to look at to, to detect where I am. It's really hard to get anything done in total darkness. Amen. Yes. Wendy knows. Wendy knows what I'm talking about. Um, so, in a way, I think we take light for granted as modern people, especially modern urban people. Partly because there's always light around, partly because if I do want more light, I can flip a switch and quite easily get it. And there's flashlights and there's devices that... Uh, you know, you turn on your app and it has a little flashlight app and you can find your way around or whatever. Uh, light is not that hard to come by, even when it's nighttime. Uh, of course, in the ancient world, this was not quite how it worked. And uh, light required a bit of doing at night. You know, during the 12 hours when it's dark out, uh, you had to either be uh, consuming oil, burning a lamp, or you had to uh, have a torch or a fire or something. You had to have gathered resources. You had to consume resources uh, if you wanted to have light. You had to get a, a, a light lit somehow. And I don't even know what, I don't know if they rubbed two sticks together or what they did in Bible times, but they did something harder than flipping a light switch. And uh, so light is more of a commodity and it's less of a given than we're used to thinking about during the part of the night when it's dark. Uh, there's also additional dangers that we probably don't think about much, right? There are things wandering around at night that are hungry and have teeth. And uh, so walking around at night can be hazardous. The dark can be dangerous. It's, all, it's dangerous. We get that now, I think, too. A lot of people are not comfortable walking around alone at night. I understand it's still, we get that. But I think there's even more hazard, even more of a sense of the uh, threateningness of darkness in an ancient mindset. So we need to appreciate that we might underestimate how much, we, if we're talking about a metaphor from the biblical times about light and darkness, we can underestimate how impactful that is. We can underestimate uh, what all's wrapped up in that if we take light for granted. Uh, and of course, light is also associated with warmth because it's always, in, in ancient times, it's always got a fire connected to it. And so the light is more, you know, related to life. Darkness is more related to coldness and desolation and stuff like that. And that's wrapped up in that imagery too. So we can take all of that and read uh, the words of Jesus as follows. This is John eight twelve. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It turns out that um, in John's gospel, there's a lot of motifs. There's a lot of recurring 
metaphors and images and other stuff that keeps popping up over and over again. It's a big part of what, how John is composed. And so light and darkness and all this is a motif that comes up again and again. I'm not going to read all of them because I tried it and I think it's tedious, but I'll give you the first two. So the very first words uh, in John's gospel go like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. So if you know your Bible at all, you think you hear in the beginning, you think of Genesis, you think of creation, you think of let there be light, you think of life being created by God, uh, by the word of God. And so here, in some perplexing way, Jesus is identified with the word of God through which all things came into being. And this has to do with light and this has to do with the origin of life and all kinds of good stuff like that. So somehow that should, this is the beginning. The beginning of a book is always strategic. This should be a big part of how we understand Jesus when we're reading John. And then a little bit later, uh, the second instance goes like this. Jesus says, and this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. And so not only is Jesus this life-giving light from God that comes into a world that is fundamentally dark, but now there's a resistance to the light. There's people who don't particularly want the light to shine on them because there's something to be hidden or something to be, uh, something that's not in line with what's being revealed. And there's more examples that follow the same theme. You get Jesus as source of light, Jesus revealing the truth about God, people who walk in light contrasted with people who walk in darkness, resistance of various forms and stuff like that. That's, that comes up a lot in John's gospel. It's also tied with another big theme in John's gospel, which is that Jesus is other than the world. So he came from heaven, he came from God. People misunderstand Jesus a lot in John. If you read through John, you get a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of places where Jesus says enigmatic things and then people don't get it. And he says, don't you get what I'm saying? Why don't you understand what this is so obvious? And then there's anger and trouble and ultimately uh, it doesn't, you know, it goes kind of sideways and there's crucifixion and all that stuff. And then a happy ending. So all this is related though to uh, light shining in a, in a world that is dark and not consistently happy with the light. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna read the passage I read you earlier with the stuff that follows it. So this is 8, 12 to 19. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid because I know where I have come from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one, yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid, for, if I alone, uh, for it's not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid. I testify on my own behalf, and the Father who sent me testifies on my behalf. Then they said to him, where is your father? 
Jesus said, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And so there's a lot of confusing stuff. I think that John's, Jesus' words in John are confusing on purpose in certain ways. They're enigmatic. They're difficult to understand and they're misunderstood. But basically, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I'm where you can get life. Follow me. And immediately it's contested. They're like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just saying nonsense. And he says, look, you're thinking by a human standard, but I'm coming from God. I'm bringing truth from God. You're not getting it. I know what I'm talking about. I and the Father are aligned on this. So again, we have this resistance, we have this misunderstanding, we have this uh, opposition to the truth that Jesus brings. And you see this over and over and over again. So taking all this stuff and kind of trying to synthesize it and draw some things out of it, the first point I would want to make is that uh, what we see in John is the world is disoriented in fundamental ways. The world, if you like, is dark by default. So the world is disoriented, disoriented from God. It is uh, also, I don't know that this is such an explicit point in John, but I think it's true anyway and true elsewhere in Scripture. The world is disorienting. The world tugs on people and shapes people and influences people. Um, Even folks who follow Jesus and want to walk in the light, the world wants us. The things that are not aligned with God tug on us in different ways. I mean, you've probably experienced this. I assume. Um, So the world is disoriented and disorienting. Actually, one thing I wanted to say there, just because I feel like complaining about it, um, because (laughs) we take certain things for granted because it appears normal. Uh, That works in a lot of ways, but you may have noticed uh, it's an election year. I don't know if you've been paying attention. Um, I am amazed... How little, not really though, but I think it's, I'm, I'm angry with how little uh, in, in sort of national politics, how little people talk about the implications uh, of different policies for anyone outside of the United States, basically. Like, most of the world is a lot more vulnerable than folks in the U.S. Most of the world is a lot more at the mercy of our decisions than Americans are. Amen. And as much as the things we do matter to our country... Uh, we really only care about foreign policy stuff, it seems to me. You can correct me later if you disagree. It, basically, we're only interested in how does this affect my job opportunities, how does this affect my safety, how does this affect my money, how does this affect who's going to bomb us. And those are legitimate concerns that we should care about, of course. But there's very little, like, what does this do for the folks in... You know, the billions of people not part of the United States that are also deeply intertwined with us. It's not even that I think this is the right thing and this is the wrong thing. It's just it's not even something we talk about. In, in, you know, you won't see this hardly discussed at all. And that makes sense if you're self-centered, but if we're Christians, as so many Americans are, we do think all people matter equally to God, right? And so... That doesn't go by national boundaries. And so that's something that bugs me. Uh, I'm not telling you who to vote for. Uh, for president, it doesn't matter anyway because Hillary's winning by 26 points. So that, you know, that's not the point. I'm just 
but join me in being annoyed about this if you think that makes sense because uh, I think we should care about the, the expansive reach of the different decisions that are made. So that's something that... Amen. Thank you. Thank you, sister. That's something that I think we take, it, we take for granted, we see as normal, that sort of uh, inwardly turned concern for Americans only that I think is nonsense if you're a Christian and you see the world the way Jesus does. So, okay, world disoriented and disorienting, but the second point would have to be that Jesus reorients us, that Jesus is light from God. He's just identified with the light uh, that brought all things into being, the light from which life comes in creation. Uh, Jesus makes life. Jesus brings um, God's purposes about in the world. This is a big thing. And so that, that reorienting force is present in Jesus. Um, and as people who live in a world characterized by darkness, um, that may mean that even as followers of Jesus, we still have stuff to learn from him, that we still have stuff that needs correcting because some of what we consider normal, like the example I just gave as one among many, is part of the world's darkness. It's part of the way the world is disoriented, but we don't see that. So we should be open to Jesus correcting things, revealing things, um, continuing to change how we think. Yeah, you don't want the devil to correct you, no. Uh, okay, based on those first two points, the fact that we are accustomed in certain ways to darkness and that Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness, the truth of Jesus may not be appealing at first. There may be ways in which we find ourselves resisting the Word of God as we find it in the words of Jesus in Scripture, in the Holy Spirit, in what we uh, receive from God through members of our community. Uh, we may react to some of this in a way that, that uh, we find ourselves resisting, sometimes to a surprising extent. There may be things you read about in Scripture or things you think you're hearing in prayer, things people say to you or that are taught here that you find yourself reacting to really strongly. Or there's just, I'm not okay, like I'm not interested in thinking about that. I'm not interested in considering a different perspective. I just want to get away from this as quickly as possible. Stuff like that, areas of resistance. And so I'll just ask, it's helpful to spot those. So I'll just ask right now and trust that God will bring things, about, bring things up in people that he wants to. Do you have an area of resistance like that? Ask yourself that question. Do I have something in me that I want to keep in the darkness that I'm resistant to bringing into God's light? Is there something like that for me? And then the last point I want to make is Jesus is light from God, and so what he reveals, if it is from him, like Wendy was getting at, if it's from Jesus, though, it will ultimately be life-giving. It's ultimately a good thing. It's life-giving if it's from him. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so the nature of Jesus is the stuff he's doing is life-giving. And so it's a good thing uh, to respond to what he reveals, even if initially we find ourselves wanting to resist, or even if initially it doesn't feel good. There's, there's discernment you want to make sure it's legitimate, but if you're convinced it's from God, it's a good thing to follow it. Uh, when I was initially 
Early in my walk with God, I was uh, confronted with the idea that someday I would be getting up in front of people and teaching. And uh, that was very unappealing at first because I was really awkward and I didn't like being the center of attention and I didn't know how to socialize with people. And I like to sit at my computer in my office by myself with the door closed and just type stuff and solve problems and not talk to people at all if I could help it. And so the idea of being confronted with uh, something where I'm getting up in front of people and talking was just really unappealing and I really resisted it. But then before long, I started warming up to the idea and I said, you know, I'm gonna start learning and then the opportunity came to teach and then I kept going from there. And I can tell you that at this point in my life, it's so life-giving to talk about the Word of God with people, in, whether it's in a classroom, whether it's at church, whether it's in small group or some other you know, conversation over coffee. I find it so life-giving, but initially it felt, it didn't feel like it fit. Um, I think forgiveness is one of the areas where we may find ourselves resisting what God wants to do. Uh, Jesus calls on us to forgive those who sinned against us. It's a non-negotiable. But if someone's hurt you in a big way, the idea of forgiving them, releasing the grace of God over them, that can be very unreasonable. It can feel very unreasonable. You could find that very unappealing. Um, and some people really resist that idea. But then I've found, usually, um, if someone does eventually give in, extend forgiveness, uh, take steps maybe towards reconciliation if appropriate. Oftentimes, uh, people feel so relieved when they do. It may take time. It may not be the instant that it happens. Um, but usually, people feel relief. They feel like a burden has been lifted off of them. Some people talk about physically feeling lighter after they've forgiven somebody. I think uh, confession can be this kind of thing as well. The idea if I have a deep, dark, secret sin I don't want to share, um, and Jesus calls on us to open up about those sorts of things with safe, trustworthy people, that can seem really unappealing, but I've found anyways, bringing things into the light is such a relief. And it's, it's so nice to be able to talk to someone trustworthy, someone mature, um, Hear them express God's grace to you. Um, have them stand with you in prayer, things like that. Uh, I think it, it will be life-giving to do that, even though it may not be appealing. And we were uh, upstairs praying earlier about just how, what God wanted to say about today. And we did feel like there was... I don't know if it's one person or several, but that there were people who had either big areas where they've sinned in the past or areas where they've been sinned against in the past that um, don't feel like it's okay to bring that into the light, don't feel like it's okay to uh, confess or acknowledge or forgive. Uh, it feels like too big of a thing to ask. There may be ways in which this junk has become part of a person's identity may be something they accept is, I just can't do anything about this. It's too much of a thing that's just always been there. Um, and we believe that, that God wants to really uh, work powerfully in some people in that kind of way today. Uh, so I just want to say, if there is something you're aware of that you don't feel like 
I, under, I, I don't believe in telling everything to everyone. You want to make sure that if it's a big deal thing, you're with someone that you find trustworthy and, and that you feel safe with. But the idea that you cannot tell anyone that thing is a lie. The idea that this, this wound cannot be healed by God is a lie. The idea that you can't get to a place by the grace of God where uh, you can extend forgiveness over someone who's hurt you in a big way is also a lie. And um, we believe that if you, if you take an initial step in faith and in faithfulness, uh, God will enable you to have breakthrough. I believe that sometimes it's sudden, sometimes it's slow, but that God will bring breakthrough. So uh, what I'd like to do is I want to have everyone uh, get into groups of three or four and do one of the following things if you're comfortable. You can share an experience of Jesus when you've experienced Jesus being life-giving light to you. If you are aware of an area of resistance of the sort that I've been talking about, you can bring that up and pray with people about that. If you have a sin you want to confess to the group that is on your mind, that you're willing to do with that group, you can do that. Uh, if you have a prayer of forgiveness you realize you need to extend over someone, you can join with the other folks in prayer about that. Uh, do one of those things. If you, if you don't want to do any of those things, then that's okay. You can just be there with the other folks, but I encourage everyone to do one of those. If there's something that's kind of a big deal thing that you wouldn't be comfortable bringing out into the open, in a group of random fellow folks here. Uh, there will be a few safe people acknowledged uh, by this church as safe people that you can feel uh, okay with, that are mature, that will handle things with sensitivity and have training on that, that will be back here by the bottom of the stairs. So if you wanna pop over and deal with that with some individual, um, you can. If otherwise, get into groups of three or four. and. Um, just share your response to any of those things that you see fit. I'll say a quick prayer to wrap us up, and then we'll do that. Good? So, Lord, I thank you, uh, Jesus, for revealing yourself to us as the light of the world. Uh, thank you for telling us the truth. Thank you for calling us into the light. Help us to come into the light today. Give us the grace to um, bring things into the open that need to be brought into the open. Put things on our hearts that you want to deal with today, if there are things you want to deal with. Give us uh, sensitivity to one another. Help us to um, serve one another lovingly. And help us to really stand in the awareness that, um, that you are God, that you are more than enough for us, that you are life-giving, and that you are bigger than anything that seems difficult to overcome in our lives. Help us to have faith in you as more than enough for us, Lord. Thank you. Amen.